Good day. I'm evangelist and Pastor Derek E. Wilkes, president and founder of the Congregation of Churches. Welcome to our website and welcome to today's broadcast. We're within a series of messages that we're labeling Healing Lessons. And we're looking at healing lesson number six, or we could say part six. And we're studying the deliverance or the healing of the lunatic boy. And this is found in Matthew chapter 17 and also in the book of Mark chapter 9. Let us pray. Father, your word conceived in our human spirit and formed by our tongue and spoken out of our mouth is creative ability that is working for us now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Mark in chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And let's begin reading at verse 17. Verse 17. Mark chapter 9 and verse 17. It's good to have your Bible with you. And uh, certainly we're going to put the scripture references on the screen but it's good to have your Bible so that you can look at this within your own Bible as well. Praise God. All right. Mark chapter 9 and verse 17. And one of the multitudes answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which have a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake unto your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now, Mark labels this child as having a dumb and deaf spirit, while Matthew labels it as a lunatic spirit. All right. Nevertheless, this child needed deliverance. Look at verse 19. And Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell down on the ground and wallowed foaming. So this child began to have convulsions right in the presence of Jesus. This spirit caused this child to have convulsions right in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus wasn't moved by what he saw. Now I'm gonna let that sit there for a moment. Jesus was not moved by what he saw. He continued to talk to the father and he uh, proceeded to deliver this child, but he was not moved by the convulsions, the foaming at the mouth, the wallowing in the ground. He was not moved by what he saw. If a person was to be moved by what he saw, this could be labeled unbelief. Now keep that in mind. And so Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I suffer you? How long shall I, uh, uh, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. That was verse 19 we read, all right? Verse 20, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. And verse 21, and he asked the father, how long ago is it since this has come unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times they have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion or mercy on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. In other words, I believe, but I'm, have, I'm being challenged with unbelief. I do believe, I do believe, but I'm being challenged with what I'm seeing. 
The unbelief that he was dealing with is the unbelief that is influenced by sense knowledge evidence. When you allow sense knowledge evidence to overwhelm your faith stance, it'll move you into unbelief. I'll say that again. When you allow sense knowledge evidence, which you can perceive with your physical eyes, which you can smell with your nose, taste with your mouth, hear with your ears, interact with with your hands. When you allow sense knowledge evidence to overwhelm what you believe, when you allow sense knowledge evidence to overwhelm what God has said in his word, then you'll move into a place of unbelief. So one definition of unbelief is allowing what you see, allowing what you perceive by the senses to have precedence in your life. Unbelief is based on sense knowledge evidence. That's one form of unbelief. But then there's unbelief that's based on having an unpersuadable heart. There's unbelief that's based on um, uh, having a lack of knowledge. There's unbelief that comes through uh, receiving wrong knowledge. So there's unbelief that's based on wrong knowledge, unbelief that's based on a lack of knowledge. There's unbelief that's based on having an unpersuadable heart. But the unbelief that we're looking at is the unbelief that is based on sense knowledge evidence. When you follow what you see and you allow what you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you hear, what you interact with with your senses to have the ascendancy in your life, you're operating in unbelief. And uh, the word tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, don't allow uh, the senses to influence your walk with God. We walk by faith. We are led of God's spirit. Glory to God. And, and, and you can't separate being led of God's spirit and walking by faith. But when you start to walk according to the senses, you're moving away from faith. You see? And this man needed help with his unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, the people came running together and he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto the spirit. Now notice here, Jesus spoke to this spirit. You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. So not only did he tell the spirit to come out, he told the spirit what to do. It come out and do not enter into him anymore. Jesus spoke to the spirit. He did not pray this devil out. He cast the devil out. You don't pray devils out, you cast them out. And there's actually one devil, many demons. You don't pray demons out, you cast them out. All right? And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then look at verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Jesus' disciples, why could we not cast him out? Now, let's answer this question over in Matthew chapter 17. Go with me to Matthew chapter 17, please. Matthew chapter 17. And let's look at this over here. Matthew chapter 17. And uh, let's begin in verse 1. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 1. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Now, you and I know that there are 12 disciples. But only three are with Jesus in this particular verse. All right? Verse 1. Look at it again. After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John his brother, and brings them up into a high mountain apart. So Jesus is at this mountain, and he has this experience at this mountain. He has this encounter with his father at this mountain called Transfiguration. So it is known as the Mountain of Transfiguration, all right? Keep that in mind. 
So Jesus is at this mountain with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and nine of his disciples are back home doing the works of Jesus. All right. Now, let's go down to verse 14. Verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy or compassion on my son, for he is a lunatic. You remember Mark labels this as a, a dumb and deaf spirit, but here in Matthew chapter 17, it's known as a lunatic spirit. For he is a lunatic, glory to God, a lunatic, and sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. That's verse 16. They could not cure him. They could not cast him out, is what he's saying. They could not heal him. They could not heal my child. Now, Jesus is not saying this. This father is saying this. But I submit to you, and I'm going to give you evidence to support it, that they could have cast him out. They could have cast this demon out of this child. They could have. They should have. But they didn't. There's a difference between saying someone could not do something and someone did not do something. There's a difference. It wasn't that they could not. It was that they did not. There's a difference. Jesus never said that they could not. The disciples are going to say that they could not. The Father said that they could not. But they could have, but they didn't. And I'm going to prove that to you right now. Now, before we read verse 17, let's go to Luke chapter 9 for a moment. Luke chapter 9. We'll come back here uh, to this location in Matthew. But go with me to Luke chapter... Uh, let us see again. Luke chapter 9. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I want you to see something here. I want you to see that they could have cast this spirit out. Luke chapter 9. And look at verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 9. Then called his 12, then he called, Jesus, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them, somebody said he gave them, gave them power and authority over all demons, there's only one devil, many demons, over all demons and to cure diseases. So they had authority and they had power. Verse 2, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they were authorized and empowered. Go to Luke chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and look at verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Let's jump down to verse 9. Verse 9. So he sent them out, and notice what happens in verse 9. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. So these disciples had the, they've been authorized and empowered to heal and, and to deliver those that were possessed with demons. They could bring deliverance, and they could bring healing to them, acting on Jesus' delegated authority. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power, that word actually should be authority, this first word power, you're going to see this word show up twice here. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The first word power is the word authority coming from the word, the Greek root word, exousia. 
And the second word power comes from the Greek root word dynamis. So in other words, Jesus has delegated authority to his disciples over the power of demons. So they have authority over the demon's power. Say that with me. The disciples had authority over the demon's power. And you know what? Because you're born again, you do as well. You have authority over Satan's power. You have authority over demon power. You have authority over it right now. Glory to God. Look at verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, or authority rather, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise God. Now, here's what you need to understand. These disciples had delegated authority. Say that with me. Delegated authority. These disciples had delegated authority. You and I have something even greater. You and I, we're on the finished side of the cross. And you and I have uh, positional authority because you and I are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You and I have uh, redemptive authority because you and I have been redeemed. So we have positional authority, redemptive authority, and you and I have inherited authority because we inherited Jesus's authority. So we have redemptive authority, positional authority, and inherited authority, and delegated authority. But these disciples only had delegated authority, yet with the authority they operated in, they were, they were able to do this. They were able to cast out demons, and they were able to administer healing to the sick. And they did so successfully. Yet there's this one instance with this father's child in which they did not. It wasn't that they could not. Now I'm going to let that sit there for a moment. It wasn't that they could not, it was that they did not. They did not do it, but they could have, but they didn't. What happened? They allowed what they saw with their eyes, the child falling into the fire, the child falling into the water, the child foaming at the mouth, the child having convulsions. They allowed what they saw, they allowed what they perceived by their senses to move them away from their faith stance. They got over into a place of unbelief. Well, Pastor Wilkes, what is the cure to unbelief? Well, this kind of unbelief, this kind of unbelief where you allow sense, knowledge, evidence to overwhelm your faith stance, this kind of unbelief, how do we deal with this kind of unbelief? Well, here's what you have to do. With this kind of unbelief, this brand of unbelief, you need to spend some time uh, in prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting, it enables you to, to rise above the senses. You can, you can rise above the weaknesses of the flesh to a place where you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you hear with your physical ears, see with your physical eyes, smell with your physical nose, taste with your physical mouth, interact with your physical senses, your hands. You're not moved by how you feel. You're not moved by what you see. See, when you're fasting, you're becoming more sensitive to the things of God. You're becoming more intimate with the things of God. Fasting and prayer brings you to a place of greater level of intimacy, if you will, and you're able to bring your senses into subjection to the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the things of God. So you're not moved by what you see, and this is what the value of fasting and prayer, it can bring your senses into subjection to the Word of God and the things of God. That's what fasting and prayer would do. And you're not going to be moved by what you perceive by the senses. You'll walk by faith. Glory to God. And so these disciples had the potential to navigate this situation successfully. 
cast out demons, administer healing, and not be moved by what they saw. But they allowed themselves to be moved by what they saw. Now go with me to Mark chapter 6, please. Mark chapter 6. I want you to see something here. And then we're going to go back to Matthew 17. But go with me to Mark chapter 6. And let's begin reading at verse, uh, verse 7. Mark chapter 6. And look at verse 7. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he, Jesus, called unto him the twelve disciples and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. So they had authority over unclean spirits. He gave it, he gave it to them. He gave it to them. So there was no excuse for not being able to do it. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. They had it. No one could say that they could not, but we could say that they did not. And there's a difference. Now look at verse 13, Mark chapter 6, verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So the disciples were at some point successful. They have been successful at administering, at administering healing to the sick. They have been successful at casting out demons. Yet when they came into contact with this particular child, they did not. But they could have, but they did not. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 17, and we have some momentum now, and we can really tap into some real understanding here. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 17. And let's begin reading at verse 14. We'll begin at verse 14 to get back into this. All right? And um, yeah, let's do that. Verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, they came to him, a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy or compassion on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. They could not heal him. All right. Look at verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, or we could say the demon, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, you'll recall from Mark's account that when Jesus rebuked that spirit, that spirit started to have convulsions and foaming and wallowing on the ground right before Jesus. And yet Jesus was not moved by what he saw. Now, why was it that the disciples were moved by what they saw, but Jesus was not moved by what he saw? Because Jesus spent time in prayer and fasting and fellowship with his father, so much so that he wasn't moved by what he saw. Jesus walked by faith and not by sight. He wasn't operating as God. He was operating as a man anointed of God, but he walked by faith. He was our example of who we are in him. Glory to God. And look at verse 18. He rebuked that demon and he, the demon, that spirit, departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. And when he came to the disciples, uh, when the disciples came to Jesus, rather, apart they said, why could we not cast him out? Now, wait a minute. Jesus said that you could. Jesus delegated authority to his disciples. Jesus gave them authority over demon power to cast them out and to heal sicknesses. Jesus delegated authority to you and I. You're not having to go home and spend three days in fasting and prayer before you can deal with some demon spirit. There's no demon spirit that is so great that the name of Jesus, the word of God, the blood of Jesus won't deal with. You're not having to go home first and fast for three days. 
No, 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 no. You should have already spent time in fellowship with the Father through prayer and fasting, so much so you're able to bring your senses to a place where you're not easily moved by what you see. You're able to walk in the love of God without getting offended. You're able to walk in the love of God without holding grudges and unforgiveness in your heart toward other people. You're able to walk in the love of God. You're able to walk by faith because you're living above the senses. Praise God. Jesus flowed in this way consistently. So he wasn't moved by what he saw, but the disciples were. They said, why could we not cast them out? Look at verse uh, 20. And he said unto them, because of your unbelief. This is why you were not able to do it. Because of your unbelief. For verily, and this is the unbelief that's associated with allowing what you see or perceive by the senses to overwhelm your faith stands. Glory to God. And this is why the Father says, help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. All right? Jesus goes on to say, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Who? He that would have faith as a seed. You notice that Jesus didn't pray those demons out. He didn't talk to the Father about those demons. He spoke to those demons. He released his faith. He said something to those demon spirits. He said something to it. You see, you can speak to your pain today. You can speak to sickness today. You can speak to it. Release your faith and speak to it. And I'm going to release my faith in your behalf in a few moments. Listen to verse 21. Howbeit, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. This kind of what? This kind of unbelief. Jesus was not referring to some special kind of demon that they could not use the name of Jesus, the word of God, the power of God to deal with. No special kind of demon. No, no, no. He's talking about this kind of unbelief. If you're going to deal with this kind of unbelief, we're going to have to spend some time in prayer and fasting and begin to live above the senses, not allow ourselves to be moved by what we perceive by the senses and walk by faith alone. We walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. If God has authorized you, if God has empowered you, you don't have to be moved by what you see. God's word is true, independent of what you see or perceive by the senses. Praise God. I want you to lift your hands up and I want you to say these words. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. Say it again. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body today. I'll take it from here. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you sickness and disease. I command you to loose this man, loose this woman. Take your hands off of them now. In the name of Jesus, I call your body healed. I call you whole. I call you complete. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Be healed today. Receive the power of God right now, right where you are. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I'm Evangelist and Pastor Derek E. Wilson, and I have a congregation of churches saying to you, Christ.